Hey, Collabris, I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholz. And you're listening to Collabracast. How's it going, Jay? I'm doing pretty well here. You seem a little low energy over there, though, bud. What's, uh, what's yeah. happening? Yeah. After three years, the COVID finally got me. So I am COVID positive. I am kind of low energy right now. Um, so, yeah, it's probably going to be a pretty relaxed and chill episode of Collabracast. But I am looking outside and it is sunny and the trees are budding and there is the promise of spring and as i've mentioned before we get a lot of false springs and false summers here in the upper midwest and to wit last friday and saturday it was like 80 and sunny and we had record highs and then monday we were we got we were forecast to get two to eight inches of snow. I don't know how much we actually got, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a buzzsaw. And for for the first couple of days that I wasn't feeling well, I just thought it was allergies because I could see everything blooming. But alas, and it was probably something I picked up on the plane, despite my good efforts of wearing a mask, etc. I think we touched on this a week ago. I think we. I think you mentioned that in our episode a week ago we were talking about allergies and then i think it was the next day you sent me the photo of the the test positive covid test yeah i guess it wasn't pollen. yeah or pollen plus so uh how's the weather out that way got a little chilly we had a we had a warm stretch and uh bundled up here um but uh, i'm sure it'll turn around soon i have a trip to yosemite planned in a couple of weeks with my kids and we're excellent kind of camping not fully tent camping there's some primitive shelters and things but they are unheated um so i'm I'm hoping that some warmth comes in we've done sub freezing camping before my son is completely impervious to cold and he was fine i will i'll just throw every blanket in the house in the back of the car and we'll go drive over there and well that's good for him that he's impervious to all of that i wish i could say the same but afraid i am not it's pretty extraordinary i mean this is yeah. a california kid so it's it's all relative and but i mean the only time i've really seen him cold is climbing out of the pacific it's like yeah i don't need a wetsuit he's like oh, okay that's <laughs> that's chilly <laughs> Got to test the elasticity of our boundaries on occasion just to know where they are. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, today's episode is going to be kind of a short one, but um, you were going to give us an update on what you're reading these days. Yes. So I finished The Overstory by okay. Powers. It was extraordinary. I would highly recommend it, particularly to anybody who is writing in a multiple third person somebody's writing in third person and juggling lots of characters so from a craft perspective he does that um to to there are are many many viewpoint characters that he introduces 
don't think this is a spoiler alert, but he it's in the table of contents. He introduces them all one or two at a time through separate chapters that that run for the first 155 pages. So it's a good, the first third of the book is introducing the reader to these various third person characters. And then things happen beyond that. They come together in various ways, but I, I there are a lot of challenges, some of which we've talked about um, on this podcast when it comes to doing those, the multiple third, the omniscient narrator. And he, he handles it beautifully. And it's, you know, there are more, more ways to do it. There are a number of ways to do it. But this is a, uh, yeah, this is one, one, one successful example if the Pulitzer Prize means anything to people. I've only read maybe the first 50 pages and then life always gets in the way. But I remember being struck very much by the brilliance and the power of the writing on a sentence by sentence level, that there were just some absolutely beautiful turns of phrase. What was it about the book that stood out the most to you? Uh, that that was definitely part of it for me. And, I, you know, I've seen some criticism that it's too literary you know it's it's there are are people who are not looking for that and that's fine mm -hmm. um you know not not everything can be for everybody but for me i really enjoyed the way that he uses language his originality and the the artistry to to his language um i for those who have listened to this podcast at length i have a real affinity to the outdoors to the natural world as a place of renewal and replenishment and his book is it revolves around trees it's it, it all has to do with with trees and you learn a lot through it awesome yeah awesome what's From next there, what's the next book you're reading well, from there, I, I moved on to, that took me a long time to get through that. And so I decided that I was going to get back on my audible science fiction phase, which I did a good science fiction binge over the winter, I think it was. And I, I read, I mean, technically listened to, but in, in this case, I think that, you know, I consider audiobooks to be just as just as in an equal way of ingesting literature as as reading and there isn't a i think this is weird to say listen to so i'm just saying read <laughs> um the uh and isaac asimov the book foundation which was interesting it's told in uh several novellas or short stories five or six different novellas or short stories that all kind of combined into a single storyline. It was a little hard to keep track of in the audio format because it would jump to another chapter and you would be 50 years in the future with a completely different set of characters. And it was a little, I could, I think that that would be a good candidate for a paper read where you can be a little more oriented in, in where you're going. I had that problem with the Faulkner book that it was, uh, there were so many characters and not being able to actually hold the paper copy and just the audio <clears throat> didn't work for me. Didn't, I didn't feel like I was getting it the way that I wanted to. 
Yeah, and I like I, you know the thing that I like about audiobooks and things that I, and, and science fiction in particular is that it's you know there is a level of escapism and you can just kind of disappear into the story. Um, in that case, though, I was I, I it was one of those ones where I had to get on get on the internet and read some. I was just like, what's who are these people? What's going yeah. on here? Like, oh, what should okay. I be paying attention for? Right. And once I kind of learned, uh, realized the overall structure, but it, it's, it's complex. It's a complex story. Anyway, from there, my, I, I began reading the ministry for the future by a, an author named Kim Stanley Robinson, which is an interesting story too. It is, um, it's similar structurally in that it's told in lots of fragmented, like there's a lot of, it's also a very broad multiple third person narration. And in, a lot of them are anonymous. A lot of them are single characters who are unnamed, who pop up and narrate their perspective of a scene and then disappear. For some reason, it's much, it's easy to follow in that format though. The interesting thing about this guy, about Kim Stanley Robinson, though, is I first heard about him through this book, which, if you're listening, is not much of a visual, but this book is called The High Sierra, a love story by Kim Stanley Robinson. I didn't note the fine print when I was given this book as a gift. Uh, the New York Times bestselling author of The Ministry for the Future, which is the one that I'm reading now. But this <laughs> is one of those books where if I, this book, The High Sierra, is this massive book it is full it's hundreds and hundreds of pages it's full of colored maps colored photos this is the type of manuscript that if i saw it as an editor i would say there's no way anyone's going to publish this <laughs> this is completely beyond you know this is going to be and it's you know it's an expensive book um but it is like this guy it's it is what it purports to be. This guy is a Californian and just loves the high Sierras as do I. And so that's why this was given to me as a gift. And he goes through, it's this, it's this pastiche of natural history and geology and memoir. And it's just like every chapter is completely different as you go through it. And it's all this, you know, it, it, it's, could be thought of as a series of essays that that revolve around the high sierras it's here in nevada mountains here in california so uh and i'm really enjoying his novel so anyway Good. yeah anyone's i'm on a temporary reading hiatus for a few days i just i uh don't have yeah. it in me at the moment fair enough if you are able to get any mo any time <clears throat> would otherwise pick up a book you should just go to sleep yeah, basically, that's where that's where I am right now. Uh, we did have a listener question come in. We did indeed, friend of the show, uh, Wendy. I, Wendy, let us know if I'm not saying your name right. That's that's my that's my that's my best. Um, asked us about blurbs. Okay. Um, and well, upon further back and forth. We, we discovered that this was actually a question about what goes on the back of the book. And yeah. um, so her question was that she said a, a self-published author, a friend of hers, got some feedback about her blurb that it was, it was too long, it was um, 
that it, it there was name dropping name bombing that went throughout it and so the the question there was just like what are how does what what, what to look for if you're writing a a blurb if you're writing something for the back of your book if somebody else asks you to do that for them what are what what should you do are there different styles are there different ways of approaching that are there is there a template what's what's the standard practice and so you as former publisher would be in a great position to speak to that yeah and so she did mention the word blurb and like you said we got some clarity when i think of the word blurb and i just want to kind of put this out there um to me, that is an endorsement that another author gives for the book in question. And so that is how I historically have used the word blurb, but I recognize that language changes. And so I just wanted to distinguish between what I'm addressing is not that, but more the book description that goes on the back cover. And back cover copy with that. Yeah. Be? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the, the sort of utilitarian that's what it is and that's what we call it um and for me you know that's it's an art form because you want to give enough to make sure that the person who picks up the book knows what the story is about gets a sense of it is intrigued by what you say and is compelled to buy and or read the book uh, it is often the case that an author, an agent, and a publisher have had to see the manuscript itself in multiple ways because an agent might want to know what is the whole story? What is, how does this all play out? So in a query letter, you're writing one thing to describe the book. A publisher is pitching it to marketing and salespeople, and they're having to give other things where they're highlighting and drawing attention to uh, particular sales hooks. But then ultimately, this thing that is on the back of the book, the back cover copy, is for the reader. So you don't want to give a book report. You don't want it to be too dense. You don't want it to give too much away. This is where we use the phrase spoiler alert. Um, and you know, I, and I think generally like the phrase name bombing was there. And that's something that I'm not familiar with as a term that I've heard before, but I will say that I've experienced where people are telling you about their book and there are a multitude of characters that occur in the book or appear in the book. And that um, if we start name dropping all of them, especially like the secondary and tertiary characters, it gets kind of hard to keep track of who's who. And we, as the writers, are excited by all of these people who populate our books. But we need to let the reader discover them through the process of reading the book and not in the back cover copy. So that would be my answer to that. I, I interpreted name bombing to be you know, something similar, is, is, is using description via lots of comparison to other books. Mm -hmm. other authors and that is only helpful if somebody knows all those authors and all those other books and that that can mean something to them and that is I mean I have I'm sure that you've had the same experience after a couple of decades in this business but people I mean there are 
authors that I haven't read. There are like that was the first Isaac Asimov book that I've read. Um, yeah, and that's just the ratio of books out there and great authors out there and time that we have to read is extremely high so yeah there are people like well, you're a writer and you've never read this and this yeah yeah that's yeah. true and there will be many others that i don't get around to either so do we have anything else for this episode i wanted to send out a i wanted to do a issue a quick plug for an Instagram account in particular, uh, which okay. is the 16 stories. This is the Instagram account of Madeline Postman, a listener and a collaborist client. Um, it is the one six stories. And uh, the 16 stories is her manuscript. And today was the London book fair. And she went to the London book fair. She where she lives and posted several reels kind of inside that particular show there and so i just that's an interesting thing that is happening in the book world yeah it's a good place where publishers and agents will meet up to discuss rights especially like american publishers will go over there there'll be a lot of domestically speaking international publishers and so you'll have meetings with representatives from different publishing companies and agents to see if you can take books that have been published in any particular territory and then get somebody intrigued in buying the rights to sell those books in a different territory. And it's her account is this is the account that she created for her writing process. So just as a as a an authorial, as a literary account, she shares a lot about her process, a lot about what she's working on, what she's debating. And uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see. It's interesting to see an author at work working through things in real time. And so if anybody's looking for writerly accounts to follow, the 16 stories, the one six stories is something I'd recommend checking out. Awesome. And I am going to pull the ripcord on this episode and remind people <laughs> that if this episode is helpful, LOL, uh, feel free to subscribe, rate and review wherever you can. And uh, that's it for me. All right, buddy, you get some rest. Oh, we've got some t-shirts available. We've got notebooks available. Stickers. Um, stickers. So shoot us a note, uh, info at collaborist.org, and we'll get a t-shirt headed your way. 20 bucks for shirts, um, something similar for notebooks. I'll throw some stickers. Just go do a good deed in the world. Yeah, just tell us, just make us an offer. Um, or story. Or community. <laughs> Collaborate. Nap time. <laughs> <laughs>